Hey, Chuck, welcome to the intro podcast. Uh, how's everything today? It's going great, and thanks for having me on. I'm having a great morning to start the day. So am I. I've had like, you know, 10 to 15 cups of coffee already, so I'm ready. I'm good. I'm good. Well, the good news is I'm ready as well, and I don't drink coffee, so uh, <laughs> I'm not sure this would work out well if I did. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm, 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 uh, I purposely limited uh, some of the background I did on you. I've heard just tremendous things, uh, all of the work that you're doing, uh, and interested to learn more. Where we usually start is setting context, you know, the 20,000 foot view of what you do today. And I'm actually going to open that up uh, to you a bit. Uh, and you can talk, you know, as innovator in residence at Marquette, um, people are always, I'm sure, curious, what does that mean? What do you do? And I'll uh, give you some room as well to back up and say, how did you get there? What were you doing leading into that and um and what you know we've had an entrepreneur in residence uh from zappos brian calma on on a a previous episode curious as to how that's similar or not you know at a university versus a company so why don't you give us a the overview of of all of that yeah so you know the twenty thousand foot view is i tell people that i'm currently an innovator i'm an author i'm an advisor and i'm a podcast host um, and yeah, from an innovator standpoint, I'm the innovator in residence at Marquette, where, you know, really my role has a couple facets to it. So one is I spend time actually helping with Marquette's uh, e-lead program, which is really developing leadership uh, skills in undergraduate students. And in the third year of the program, we actually focus on innovation leadership, which is where I tend to get more involved and and we cover a couple of the concepts that are in the book I recently wrote, which is called The Innovator Spirit. So the other thing I've been spending a lot of time doing is promoting my book, which is quite a different experience in a virtual world. So the good news is there are lots of podcasts. The bad news is there aren't a lot of in-person events. And so I've been doing virtual events and that's been a really interesting and a great experience. I almost wish I could have had all those meetings before I wrote the book, because as I do that, I actually gain great insight along the way. I'm also on four company boards. So I serve as a board member. Three of them are private companies. One of them's public. And that's been a great way for me to keep my hand in the business world and, and use some of my insight and perspective and maybe even provide a little wisdom uh, based on some of the many things I learned by doing it the wrong way the first time to uh, (laughs) companies that are out there today. Perfect. And then the last yeah. piece is my is my Innovators on Tap podcast, which is we've just finished season two and we're getting ready to launch season three starting in uh, early September. And, and that's been a great experience. And so really what we're teasing out there is getting to know people, but really what is it about how they think or their mindset that has allowed them to pursue innovation in a way that's maybe different than what many of us have been taught to think. So I, those are kind of the four main things I spend my time doing. I used to say I was retired. My <laughs> wife said that was a horrible description of how I spent my time. In fact, uh, I think uh, in her analysis, I'm at least as busy now as I was when I was running a global public company. And it does feel that way. I, I say that, but I'm busy on my own terms. So I'll doing something all the time, but doing it more on kind of my timeline instead of a public company's timeline, which has been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm having a great time really keeping myself engaged at all different levels. Um, 
and uh, you know, mostly uh, trying to share some wisdom about both leadership and innovation uh, with uh, the next generation of what I hope to be some great leaders. And I think that I'm fascinated by that for a number of reasons. One in particular is just that from my experience, Marquette, uh, you know, we have uh, a lot of great colleges, universities here in my hometown of Milwaukee. Marquette has um, time and time again been in in the leadership position around innovation and whatever that you know, in many meaning many different things, and even to the point of you know uh, a, a past guest as well, Annie Richmond, who now leads innovation over at Starbucks, um, who's been on the the podcast, you know, in maintaining those relationships all the way through. So, what I love about what you're doing is you're preparing uh, those future leaders today. Uh, for where they might be tomorrow, and they end up in incredible roles like Annie has, um, all because of the work uh, that people like you do at that university. So uh, hats off uh, on that. Well, I appreciate that. You know, one of the things to keep in mind is, you know, when you're a student at Marquette, you don't fully appreciate what it means to get a Jesuit education. Um, But uh, years ago, someone said that what we're trying to explain is instead of teaching people what to think. We're trying to teach them how to think. And I believe that those principles of really questioning who you are and where you're going and maybe what a different future might look like, those are those are based in some 500-year-old ideas that I think come out in that liberal arts Jesuit tradition of, of higher ed. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And so I'm curious, with all of the things you have going on, if we take a few steps back and you think about your first professional job, what was it and how did you land it? So, you know, prior to that, I had a bunch of jobs growing up. I think I had a paper route starting at 12 or 13. And even in college, I, uh, I did a co-op, which was three semesters of working in my field. Uh, but my first professional job would have been when I uh, joined Hewlett Packard in Silicon Valley as a sales development engineer after graduating from Marquette. And the way I got into that was, is my brother knew someone in the marketing group there. He made an introduction, shared my resume when I was going through that classic college recruiting process. It led to an interview. They flew me out to California and uh, I met a bunch of people and got a job offer. And when all things were said and done, I had, luckily at the time, I had a choice of three or four different companies I could join but there was only one of them in Silicon Valley. And as a kid who grew up in the Midwest, as an electrical engineer, if you could go work for Hewlett Packard back in the late eighties, that was, that was as cool as going to work for Google today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And, uh, I can imagine, you know, if you think to those times or throughout your career and especially, um, I'm sure as CEO, you know, you're surrounded by maybe people that are offering advice to you. Um, and so as you as you think back either to that first job or, you know, more current things, is there any piece of advice you've received that you thought, ah, I appreciate that, but maybe I'm going to take it in a little different direction. And then that ended up working out well for you. Yeah. So, you know, when I was trying to decide if I should quit my job at HP and go to work for this little startup in North Carolina called Cree Research, I called my dad 
And I said, you know, what do you think I should do? And, and we talked about it. And, and he said, you know, at the end of the day, I think a startup in this company you've never really heard of that no, no one knows if they're going to be successful. I think it's too risky and you should stick with this great company, HP. And I totally understood his logic. He, you know, it's great fatherly advice, uh -huh. but uh, I decided to join Korea in any case, which obviously led to an incredible career where I got to help take a company from startup into a global tech company and got to play, you know, a really significant role there. And, you know, years later, my dad and I talked about that and I don't think anyone was prouder of me ignoring their advice than he was. So, uh, but yeah, no, he, he suggested I not do it. I almost didn't, but, uh, in the end, I'm glad I ignored that advice and, and took the chance. Did you find, um, and I, so the podcast is for people who are early in their career, but you know, many who have aspirations for senior leadership roles in companies, what was, uh, and, and maybe going off, a little off script here out of curiosity, what was the journey like as you went from, uh, a, you know, startup company to global uh, player? And, um, and maybe if you could touch on, you know, some of the things you sacrificed along that way. Yes, you know, so I joined... HP, or I joined Cree, I should say, at 26. And I'm this, I think I was the, um, what was I called? The LED product manager. And it's a great title. In a 30-person company, it means you're the head of sales and marketing and you have no customers. <laughs> and literally when I got to my first day on the job, my introduction was, welcome. Um, we're kind of busy right now. We'll be back in a little while, but here's your office and there's your furniture. So why don't you set that up and we'll come back. And literally there's this little tiny office and there are three boxes laying on the floor. Your desk is in a box, flat box, uh -huh. your bookcase and your chair. And so your first job is to assemble your own office furniture. And that was my welcome to a startup. And then at lunch that day, my boss said, oh, I'll take you out to lunch. So he and I go out to, I think it was Hardee's. <laughs> and he said, so look, it's great to have you. We're really excited. A little bit of bad news that uh, the one customer we actually had has canceled all their orders. So we oh, don't have boy. any more orders now. So your job is to go find some customers. And I said, okay, how do I do that? He goes, go talk to people and find some customers. I don't know. That's why we <laughs> hired you. And so that's, that's day one. Mm -hmm. And then, so that journey went from all hands on deck. It doesn't matter what your title is. You do whatever you got to do. To the company started to grow and, you know, I took on all kinds of different roles. I ended up buying a company when we didn't really know what that meant. And I certainly didn't know what it did. And I ran that and lost our biggest customer and then was told that's great. I thought I was going to get fired. And instead he said, no, you got to sell all that product you already had made. And then later on, I was running that business and it was starting to grow. And I get a call and said, hey, we just fired the head of wafer fab operations. We need you to run manufacturing over here. So literally I packed up my office one night and took that job on. And then as that went on, the, the head of overall ops for the company quit and they said, Hey, you're now in charge of the whole company. And I'd never even seen the whole company to give you an idea. I got promoted to running operations for a company. And yet my key card didn't open most of the doors in the company <laughs> at that point. I said, well, that's great, but can you actually turn on my key card? Because I've never seen this thing I now am responsible for. Right. And what's interesting is I never thought about should I say yes or not. In fact, they weren't really like, 
it was, would you do this? But the implication was you didn't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. And I think what I learned along the way is, is that opportunities just happen. And that if you get good at solving a problem, another one comes up and just take it on. And because you never know where that leads. And so, you know, I'm kind of the anti-career plan guy, because what I learned is that if you just take on the next biggest problem and you do a good job at solving it, there's no lack of opportunities for people that are good at solving problems. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible that I think to every episode that we've published so far, everyone has been anti-career plan. <laughs> everyone. It's incredible. And it really is. And they've just said it in different ways. You know, for you, it's problem solving and, and moving to the next. Pro there's no shortage of problems ever. And, uh, and some were, you know, let's acquire transferable skills as we move along. But yeah, the, there's a, there's a guiding force in some sense for people, but, um, they, everyone has, who has talked about career plan has been anti-career plan. So that's interesting to me. Um, yeah, and, and to this, just real quick on yeah. the second part of your question there, I would just say, what did I have to, you know, what was, did I sacrifice? And I will just tell you that the startup world to a global public company is I gave up my personal life for 25 years. So I remember dropping my oldest daughter off when she was 18 at college, realizing I'd missed most of her growing up. And so what I would say is, is that I know there's a lot of people striving for work-life balance and it's, it's a, it's an admirable goal. But the fact is, is that um, something has to be the number one priority. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as two number ones. And I think you got to find out what works for you. But uh, most of the people I worked with all gave up a part of their personal life to make that happen. And do I regret it? You know, I have three great kids today. I don't think any of us regret it. And uh, but in my case, I was lucky enough to have a, a great uh, my wife and and partner who basically made sure it all worked. But uh, I think, you know, you got to find that right balance for you. But balance is probably not um, it doesn't look that way when you're in a start. Yeah, agreed. And I'm glad you said that and added that because I think um, a lot of us read headlines and we don't understand that there are real decisions to be made around those types of uh, situations. So I really appreciate that perspective. Um, so I'm going to take a wild guess that in your career, you were exposed to some buzzwords. <laughs> uh Anywhere in there, is there any one that sticks out that you kind of just don't like? Well, there were many along <laughs> the way. Um, in fact, I'm a pretty an anti-buzzword guy, but and this might surprise you, but the one that I've spent the most time railing on over the last few years is innovation because it's become a word, and I think it was actually ranked by Wired Magazine as the most overused buzzword of the last decade. Um, but what I found is the more people say it, the less they actually do it. Mm -hmm. And it's actually part of the premise of the book where what I was trying to explain is, is we use innovation and invention like the same thing and they're not. So they're both something new, but in innovation, you have to then go beyond that, solve a problem and create value. And that's the hard part. And it's not just follow this recipe or this process or say it, you got to really get into how people think and their mindset because to pursue real innovation, you have to get people to act in a way that is counter to what is likely 
their core belief system. And that's the tricky part. Mm-hmm. That is tricky. And, the, and, and requires deployment of so many different strategies, uh, communication tactics, um, uh, motivation, uh, everything, everything. It's, um, it's not easy work. Um, so I'm going to stick with buzzwords. Networking. How is that? What does it? What does it mean to you, really? And and what is it meant to your career? So I personally never spent one minute purposely trying to network with anyone. Um, I because I don't think meeting someone just to meet them, which is what networking has become to mean, it there's no long term value in that. I think you're better off spending more time with less people. Because I think then you can actually get to know them in some tangible way. Mm-hmm. And that can create a relationship that actually could be beneficial to both parties in the future. So I have made lots of relationships along the way, but they weren't for the sake of saying, I know you. They were for the sake of we work together on something. And those are the relationships that I was able to leverage many times over in the rest of my career. Interesting. Yeah. Focus, focus. Um I, so this, the big question I ask, I'm, I'm guessing sometimes uh, by this point, listeners are like, duh, you know, the link from where you started to where you are today. But I think this one is particularly interesting for you. And I usually uncover, you know, a, a, a really insightful nugget of information where even if you go back to the paper, uh, paper route days, what? What is that link from those early times to today that you see? You know, I think it comes down to a passion for doing a good job at whatever you're trying to do. And that's really something I learned from my dad. He believed that if you're going to do something, do it right. And then that led into a, wow, once I accomplished that, I enjoyed solving that problem. What's the next one? And so, you know, I'll be honest, early on in my career, I probably was like most other young professionals. I kind of saw getting the next job as the goal, but it it became pretty clear to me that future opportunities come from, you know, this idea we talked about earlier of being good at solving problems. And so I learned to embrace problem solving. In fact, that was the challenge for me is that once I was good at something, I didn't want to do it anymore. And so I was always on to the next job. What's next? What else can I do? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't worried if it was a promotion or not. I just wanted something new and different because I became a bit addicted to problem solving. It's what there's this, I enjoy it. I, I like the challenge. I like trying to overcome it. I like working with people to overcome it. And then when you get there, it's not, yeah, we got there. It's what's the next one. And so I think that's kind of been the theme, whether it was a paper route or being in a co-op or uh, working at HP or, or to what I did at Creed to even now. I mean, why did I write a book? Because, well, that's interesting. I don't know if I can write a book. Let's see if I can. <laughs> and, you know, do you want to be the innovator in residence? We don't even know what that means, but let's go figure it. Let's define it. Let's figure out how it adds value. So I've had a great time just kind of taking on the next challenge. And that's just been this, this theme. And so, it just one thing led to the other one, and I just I went for it. And uh, um, I don't know if that's a great answer for you, but to me, that I think that's the common link. I, th- I think it's an excellent answer, and I think it's one that isn't as obvious 
in what we talked about because I think, you know, people will think, oh, it's tech. Oh, it's this, it's that. And it's really, it, it, what, I, what I tend to learn from that question is it's something deeper inside that is the link and that really creates fulfillment and meaning for that person from their first job to their current. Yeah, I would agree. You know, it's even, and, and it's to, to, on that theme, it's the things I didn't do right. You know, I remember taking a job because I didn't get promoted early in my career. And I went to work for a division that was in a horrible situation, but I ended up in a job that I learned far more taking on those challenges than I ever would have staying. So while it was it the right career choice, you know, probably not. You don't want to go to work for a division that's going out of business. Mm -hmm. But in terms of my personal development, I learned far more in that. And I think it kind of prepared me for taking on challenges and realizing there's always something interesting in that and something to be learned. Great advice. Great advice. All right. So this is where we go to the rapid fire questions. My, you know, I love what I learned in the first half, but this is this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. So one rule, there are no rules, and your answer is your answer, and there's no judgment. Maybe that's a few rules, but those are all the rules. <laughs> okay? Got it. All right. So first thing that comes to mind, um, what are you reading? And this could be your own, your own book, too. Reading, watching, or listening to at the moment that you'd recommend to someone trying to launch their career. This is going to probably come a bit out of left field, but what I decided to do over the last month is I started to rewatch the West Wing TV series on Netflix. <laughs> and I think this will be my third or fourth time through it. And I think it offers an incredible perspective on what leadership really looks like. And I think there is, um, if you really think about what they're getting at, I think there are some great life lessons in there. So I think that's at a high level what I'm personally doing for career advice. I'd suggest people listen to season two of the Innovators on Tech podcast. I just did 12 episodes on these ideas that you can use to be a better leader and to be more innovative. And, you know, I think it might be a great way to get started. Absolutely. I laughed because my wife is currently rewatching The West Wing every night. So um, it is one of my all-time favorite shows. And in fact, I have a daughter who is now in her 30s and teaches high school history class. Mm -hmm. And it comes from growing up watching that show and just being incredibly excited about what they were talking about and doing. And she since uses those episodes to teach some of her classes. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. This is personally one of my favorites. Uh, what is your go-to food when you need a boost? Uh, probably trail mix or a kind bar. Awesome. Instagram or TikTok? Neither. LinkedIn and Twitter. Got it. Favorite podcast? How I Built This with Guy Raz. Love that one too. Um, YouTube or Hulu? YouTube. I, I, I should add Netflix in here. What if what if Netflix was in here? Then what would that change your answer? Well, it depends. If for entertainment value, I'm probably using Netflix more. Uh -huh. But I found YouTube... I, I love to fix things, right? Yes. YouTube is the magical place of how to do anything. So I'm addicted to it both for entertainment value and just, hey, how do you repair, repair your ice maker? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let's look it up on YouTube. I just think that's one of the coolest things to go do. I know it makes me an, an engineer nerd, but that's what I am. No, I, I've done the same in DIY. Uh, or do it. Yeah, DIY has come up as why people choose YouTube. 
I'll add, I am addicted to YouTube for music right now, watching all my band's concerts, favorite band's concerts. So, all right. Oh, that... Here we go. We're going to jump in. No, no, you're good. Right. Okay. If you had a talk show, who would be your very first guest? Well, you know, I've actually thought about who, if I could get on my podcast, yes. would be my, my, my ultimate guest. And this is going to maybe surprise you, but one would be uh, Barack Obama. I'd love to interview. And I had a chance to meet him three times during my time as CEO. And so I'd just love to have a long form conversation with him. Was blown away by the person. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one would be uh, Michael Jordan. Um, and I wanted <laughs> to it. interview him before I saw the last dance, uh -huh. but now that I've seen the last dance, I want to talk to him even more. I just, I think his mindset is so interesting and unique. I'd just love to have a chance to really get into it more with him. Love it. Love it. Yes. Agreed. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was amazing and um, loved learning a little bit. And uh, we'll follow along as you uh, continue to create. Well, I really appreciate you having me. And hopefully one of these days I'll be back in Milwaukee and we can uh, have a follow-up conversation over a pint of beer. Uh, yes, for sure. Thank you. Thank you.